the issue that I would like us to talk about is men. Men are the issue. <laughs> well, if I haven't heard that a lot in the last couple of years. Well, it's really important to talk about it right now because I think our society has become the island of lost boys, you know? Yes. Uh, men are confused about who they are meant to be, what is the point and purpose of their life, and what exactly should they do in order to find fulfillment or find their place in this world. And the, the, I think the conclusion has become, and it's become people are more aware of it, that the mass of men, according to Henry David Thoreau, live lives of quiet desperation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you have to go on. It's not something you can opt out of. You're either growing or shrinking in your faith on a daily basis, but we want to be part of your growth plan. Mm -hmm. Here at the Salty Pastor, we want you to know what you believe and why you believe it and develop some critical thinking skills so that you can defend what you believe and grow in your faith ultimately, because that's the best way to grow is to constantly be thinking about <laughs> your faith. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host. And we cannot do the salty pastor podcast without the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas peak. <laughs> well, welcome everybody. It's so good to be here with you. And I'm so excited. We're going to be doing something absolutely different. And different. yeah, so uh, why don't you let everybody know what we're going to be doing so our listeners can track with yeah, us. Yeah, we are doing something a little bit new for this series. Every Tuesday, we would normally do a Bible study on a particular passage. Mm -hmm. Then on Thursday, we would take those biblical principles we uncovered and apply them to our present day situation. Mm -hmm. This one is completely different, however, because we are going to start by focusing on a specific issue and then see what the Bible has to say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, what we're going to do is we're kind of launching this brand new series and we're going to mix up the salty pastor and mix how we it approach it. Bit. Yeah. Uh, because the issue that I would like us to talk about is men. Men are the issue. <laughs> well, if I haven't heard that a lot in the last couple of years. Well, it's really important to talk about it right now because I think our society has become the island of lost boys, you know? Yes. Uh, men are confused about who they are meant to be, what is the point and purpose of their life, and what exactly should they do in order to find fulfillment or find their place in this world. And the, the, I think the conclusion has become, and it's become people are more aware of it, that the mass of men, according to Henry David Thoreau, live lives of quiet desperation. Mm. That the mass of men, the majority of men, are living lives of quiet desperation. Uh, uh, 25 to 50-year-old uh, men who work. Let's talk about that. Men who just okay. actually work and have a job, right? Yes. This is why I think that men are in desperate, dire straits or desperate situations. Did you know, um, during the depression in 1940, do you know what the percent of men who didn't work was? Uh, no idea. That's <laughs> it's stat, not a common I, thing. It's not a yeah. stat I keep in my <laughs> yeah, mind. It's not, pastor. There's a lot of facts that I just, yeah. You know what I, you're smart like Einstein. You know what Einstein said? He goes, why would I want to put facts in my head that I can look up in an encyclopedia? I want to think about stuff. <laughs> well, anyway, in 1940, the amount of men between 25 and 54 years of age who were not in the workforce was 14%. Okay. Today, you know what the percent of percentages of men who are not in the workforce today? 
able-bodied men between 25. So it used to be 14% in 1940s. But today, right now, you know what they're saying? They're saying that the unemployment rate is what? 2.5% or 2%, something like that? Yeah. 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 But that is a false statistic because it doesn't count men who are not looking for jobs. So you can be... They're not counting the people that are actively looking for jobs. There's no, pe- that's all they're counting. That's all they're counting is right. the people that are actively attempting to be employed. Correct. They're not counting the people that are choosing not Just to Just not be to work. Employed. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what the percentage is of men? Uh, between that age group, able-bodied men who are able to work, who are just not working. No idea. 14.4%. 14.4? Yeah. Okay. So it's higher than it was during the Depression. That's that, a problem. That is a problem. That's a huge problem. Um, according to Pew Research in 2019, 40% of adult males were not married. 40% of adult males not married. 40 to 50% of adult unmarried Adult males don't want to get married. 40%. Yeah. Don't even want to get married at all. Um, Universities have created, in my opinion, what is called a limbo, adolescent limbo. You go and these males are basically indoctrinated with a ideology that abdicates them from any personal relationship responsibilities. And Mm. that's a problem. According to the government statistics, 38% of adult males struggle with addiction when you include alcohol. That's men two to one over women. Women graduate from college three to two. 60% of college graduates are women compared to 40% are males now. Men who do work uh, do all the hard labor. You know, All construction workers, 96% are male. These are your bricklayers, your plumbers, your sheet rockers, your framers, your why, you know, guys who build roads. Why is that? Because it's physically demanding labor. Uh, all agricultural jobs, 90% of them are male. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Um, when you add into that uh, uh, energy, like, you know, uh, oil and gas exploration and mining and all that kind of stuff. It's over 90% male in the military, the people who fight for us. It's over 90% male, uh, men, you know, I think it's important to realize that men are in a position where they, they're doing their, the demands on them to do the labor is super high. Right. Right. But the, uh, notion that, masculinity is toxic is growing and it and we'll talk a little bit about more more about that in just a little bit about the stats of that are off the charts there's a there's a show now there was a documentary in 2012 or 2014 it's called the masculine and they show it to the majority of freshman males and you know what it is it's all about how because you're a man you're toxic hmm. you know and this whole notion of masculinity is a social construct does that sound familiar from what we've talked about yes. before yeah, and so just like gender is a social construct, and so the only way for you to not be a danger to society is to not be masculine. Well, I mean, these general <laughs> stats that you're showing are really showing an increasing trend in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But one of the things I love so much about the way we work together on this podcast, Pastor, is you tend to show us the hallmarks 
or the 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 way we got there, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's kind not of, just where a, did this come from? Yeah, like a lot of people just like to say, "Hey, things are bad. Here's some stats that I'm just throwing at you. Isn't it so bad?" And you are more interested in talking about, "Yes, it is bad, but how did we get here?" Yeah. So, can you talk to me a little bit about some of the key factors that got us here to produce this bleak outlook that we have for men in today's <laughs> society? Well, I think that. I mean, my my opinion on this, and I think it's an educated opinion, is that when the the whole notion of critical social theory was introduced, it's a Marxist ideology, and the Marxist ideology has a very specific point and purpose to it, and it has to, and it says this specifically, get rid of the nuclear family, and the other thing that it wants is it doesn't want men who are independent, strong, confident critical thinkers, right? Doesn't want those types of men. And as a matter of fact, you can see the result of that. Initially, when communism was instituted in Russia in the Bolshevik revolution, what you saw is a massive upswing initially of technology and all those things back in the, you know, the forties and fifties, we're in a cold war with them. But what happened when this next generation of boys grew up? to take over leadership positions is communism collapsed. It was a 70 year experience, experiment, 70 years. That's one generation it took to collapse. And right. the reason why is because it doesn't want to have men who are independent leader thinkers. It's all about, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, Com comrade there you there's nothing defining you differently. There's no, you, you don't, you want to be known for nothing. Right. And so it produced that. And I, I think that that those ideologies came over here and they were instituted into our society in three basic ways, three massive social movements. The first one was in the sixties, the sexual revolution. Okay. Okay. And that was started because of technology and the technology that came out was the pill. Right. Okay. So it was a massive sexual revolution. And what it did is it completely changed the relationship between men and women sexually. Okay. And it allowed sex to be removed from any context of a relationship that was committed or covenantal or anything else. It allowed men and women to act in ways sexually where there was no consequences for their sexual choices. And so the, the, this is a very simple question. How can you change 10,000 years of role development in a society and not expect it to result in some kind of confusion? Right. Right. It's just really, really confusing. In reality, this phenomena from the sexual revolution and what it's, what it's created is only 50 years old, 40 years old, hmm. but we're just now able to objectively evaluate the impact of this social experiment. And what we found is two generations later and one generation later is that women are not happy. Right now, women, since they've ever charted this, are, char are, are recording the highest levels of dissatisfaction with their lives, right? And men are completely lost, you know? The whole story of Peter Pan was to show how the island of lost boys was, was not an idealized, it was a, it's like as a form of parody showing that it's dumb, it's right. ridiculous. Right? You, need to, you need to grow up. You need to grow up. And that's the Peter Pan song that he sings is what? I'll never grow up. No, sir, not me. Right. And the whole point of it is you have to grow up. You know, Wendy is, 
is he he's attracted to Wendy. He falls for Wendy because the female in the story is the the whole notion of she's the enticement to grow up. Mm. I'm the prize, right? Right. And so, but now we don't want that. We don't have that. It's not a prize anymore because we just we think that going to the island and fighting um, pirates and having adventures all day is being a man. And of course, that's not true. That, that so I think that that the sexual revolution has had a massive impact on that. Right. Uh, the second thing that was seeded into our culture is second and third wave feminism, which came out of this Marxist ideology, right, from critical theory. In first wave feminism was just simply, hey, women should have, you know, the right to vote, some equal rights. But second and third wave feminism is completely different. Uh, Kay uh, Himowitz wrote a book called Where Have All the Good Men Gone? And she makes a case that outcomes-based feminism has created an adolescent limbo for men. In her book, she says the following, I see it as an expression of our cultural uncertainty about the social role of men. It's been an almost universal rule of civilization that girls become women simply by reaching physical maturity. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. So a woman become a girl becomes a woman simply by what? Physically maturing. Exactly. She looks like a woman, right? right? And so, but boys, in order to become men, and all civilizations always have to pass a test. They needed to demonstrate courage, physical prowess, or mastery of the necessary skills. The goal was to prove their competence as protectors and providers. Today, however, with women moving ahead in our advanced economy, she writes, husbands and fathers are now optional, and the qualities of character uh, men once needed to play their roles, fortitude, stoicism, courage, fidelity, these are now obsolete and even a little embarrassing. Susan Venker, she's a relationship counselor. Her whole goal is to help women get married, want to know why there was such a massive drop in marriageable men. She coined the term war on men. She's written numerous books and numerous articles and essays on how feminism has created this outcome. It begins in school where boys are considered a problem by female teachers and administrators. And then in college, they're indoctrinated even more. And so, like I said earlier, you have to now watch a video just to be able to go to college called The Masks we wear, which basically says everything that you are as a guy is the problem. You know, that I, I don't get how that has anything inclusive and or encouraging in it. Uh, Christina Hoff Summers, she's a, uh, she considered herself a feminist for many years. She's a, a scholar and an academic. She wrote a, a whole book on this called The War on Boys. She speaks directly to the feminist approach in education is designed to force boys into acting like girls. She says the gold standard of behavior in elementary school, high school, and college is girls. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing this outcome. 60% of college graduates now are girls, right? And fewer boys are even going that uh, direction. And to cap it all off, the American Psychological Association has, according to Margaret Wente, said that masculinity is the problem with men. Traditional masculinity is to blame for all of the psychological problems, according to the American Psychological Association, in society today. Now, here's what I find fascinating. All of these people that are writing all of this stuff are all women. And some of them are former feminists. 
They're saying, look, what we've done is we've adopted an ideology of feminism that is absolutely unequivocally destroying boys. It's a war on men and a war on boys. So that obviously is going to, in any war, you always have casualties. And the casualties right now are guys trying to figure out how, what, what, what do you expect, you know? Um, what, what am I supposed to be? And society has ripped away any test or any process for you to figure out where you can finally say, I'm competent. Right. You know, I am a man. They've stripped that away. So no wonder men are so confused, mm. right? Uh, the third thing in our society that I think that we have to go back and look at very specifically that has really upended it is called Title IX at the university level. Now, you may not be familiar with what Title IX is, but what it was in 1972, Title IX was established to give girls equal access to sports, right? That was the whole point. And that is, is that, well, right now, all we're doing is spending money on boys' sports, and we don't have anything we're investing on girls' sports, so girls can't go to college on scholarships. So Title IX says, look, you need to kind of make a level playing field. You have to have the same opportunity for everybody. Right. I agree with equal opportunity for girls and for boys, right? Yes. You know, but according to Venker, it is now used to create equal outcomes. And what a lot of people don't understand is the difference between equal opportunity and equal outcome. Equal opportunity is all about, we all have the same shot. Right. Okay. So you, you can't shut the door simply because I'm a guy. You can't shut the door simply because you're a girl. You can't do that. But equal outcome is totally different. And that is this, is that you take boys and girls, and if it's 50% boys and 50% girls, you have to say, okay, we have to have 50% female football players and 50% male football players. We have to have 50%. So outcomes, equal outcomes, is an abhorrent ideology because what it does is it takes away the free choice of every person in that system. Mm. It says you, don't, you can't choose what you want to do. You know, and so according to Venker, she goes on to say that uh, a spe this specific Marxist ideology has been incorporated into Title IX. It is even now used today to accuse guys of sexual misconduct in any given situation. She talks about Judith E. Grossman, a former feminist. She said, uh, I used to have unqualified support for Title IX until my own son was accused of sexual misconduct by his girlfriend who he had been dating for a very long time. So her son had a girlfriend for a year or two, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe three years. And they broke up and she was angry. So she accused him of sexual misconduct and his life was destroyed. And so she says this and her, she writes, Title IX has obliterated the presumption of innocence that is so foundational to our traditions of justice. On today's college campuses, neither beyond a reasonable doubt nor even the lesser by clear and convincing evidence standard of proof is required to establish guilt of sexual misconduct. She says a girl can make an accusation. The man is immediately guilty. No what? Why? Because feminists have propagated a mentality on the university that there's a rape culture, you know. And so it's crazy. Title IX now today is used for more policy development outside of athletics than it's used for policy development within athletics. Which is what it was originally meant for. Which was originally meant for. So what happens when you send young men off to college and you enculturate them with the construct of Marxist ideologies around sexual behavior and human behavior? You end up with a mess, and that's what we have. Seems like these ideologies are built on an assumption that men are the problem 
not the solution. <laughs> yes. Uh, Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So once these ideas took root in our culture, I mean, what's been the practical effect of society? Well, you know, facts don't lie. The stats don't lie. And that is the first thing that happened, you know, was the removal of the man as a significant participant in the family. And when you remove the man, you eliminate, you eliminate the nuclear family. And today the nuclear family, you know, is a minority in American society, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't really exist that much anymore. Um, I think it's like between 25 and 35%, you know? So either people are being raised in single parent homes or people live alone or they're in blended families. Right. And so the nuclear family, uh, has been dissolved. And what happens when you dissolve the nuclear family? You know, um, you, you have more and more people who are needing to be dependent on what? The system. The system, which is the government, you know? And that's what Marxist ideology wants. It wants the state. You know, what, what, when you were a part of Russia, what did you call Russia? You called it your... Motherland? Your mother. Mother Russia. See, that's intent. That, that's, that's the point, right? Is, is that Russia, the state, is your nurse, right? Mm-hmm. Is, your, is, is the person who is caring for you and meeting all of your needs. Um, society agreed for thousands and thousands of years that men were necessary for any advancement in any society. They had the responsibility to provide and protect for their family. Woven inside of every man is a need, is a reflection of a soul being created in the image of God to provide and protect for something else. Men feel they ha- their lives are desperate. They are meaningless. There is no fulfillment if a man can't find something to live for outside of himself. And that is, that is really difficult. But they also had, they had the responsibility to provide and protect for their family. They also, though, had the authority, right? Now, can you overstate that case? Sure. And that's probably what it happened in the, in the Renaissance. There was an overemphasis on that. Uh, but what this, this authority or responsibility had was it pushed men to be better men, mm. you know? Um, today, the government... Or women have all the authority in the family today in many, many ways. And this is overriding men. And so the number one complaint I hear from women today that are married, what do you think the number one complaint from women who are married is today? He doesn't lead. He doesn't lead. It drives her what? Crazy. Crazy. (laughs) Right? And maybe this is why 70 to 80% of divorces now are instituted by women. Mm. You see, and so what I think is so fascinating about this is society produces this outcome. And then the people that, uh, kind of said, well, I'm not a full blown feminist, but I think it's a good idea. Went along with it are the ones who are suffering the most from it now. Mm. You know, they're suffering. The, The biggest problem that men have who today that I think they struggle with is a lack of fulfillment. It's a lack of meaning. It's a lack of drive, i.e. they are passive men. Right. They're passive and they don't realize that society has trained them to be passive. The sexual revolution has trained you to be passive. Uh, 
third in uh, second and third wave feminism in the university has trained you to be passive just by going to university. You've been enculturated to be a more passive male without even knowing it. If you went to elementary school, middle school, and high school, you've been trained to be this way. Um, and you, you look at it, and your society today is an adult. If you do have to go through a divorce today, uh, family courts throughout America, men are routinely stripped of their rights and due processes. Uh, there's a Violence Against Women Act, it's called VAWA, is easily used against all males since its definition of violence is so broad that virtually any conflict between a man and a woman is considered abuse. Dr. Helen Smith, she wrote a book called Men on Strike. She writes, if a woman gets angry for any reason, she can simply accuse a man and men are just assumed guilty in our society. She says this is particularly heinous since violence in domestic relations is almost 50% from men and 50% from women. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. When you cite that statistic, everybody goes, no, that's not true. Well, okay, maybe that's because you've been enculturated to think that way, mm. right? You know, I mean, there's, there's a narrative out there in society and that's why I want the salty pastor to teach people to think critically. You have to be able to look beyond the messages that are being fed to you because they're designed to manipulate you for an outcome. You see, you have to pursue truth. And guess what this is all doing? Because we've done this, people don't realize this. There's real life physiological changes going on. I don't know if you know this, but according to an epidemiologist at Mount Sinai School of Medicine, between 1973 and 2011, sperm counts in Western males dropped by 59%. Hmm. That is quite the fact. So what happens when you... Uh, uh, enculturate males to be beta males to be sheep and not leaders right what what do you end up it has a physiological impact 59 percent drop in sperm counts in 10 years since then that was in 2011 things have gotten any worse and the person who was writing this uh swan, swan writes if you look at the curve on sperm count and project it forward which is always a little risky he says it reaches zero in 2045. he says that's a little concerning to say the least yeah i would say so men unable to impregnate women and propagate the human race in 2045. scientific innovation uh, discovery. A lot of people are not aware of this, but a lot of scientific innovation and discovery has slowed almost to a standstill in Western societies. It's really slowed down. When is the last time we had a massive technological breakthrough? We haven't. Right. You know, um, men are increasingly, increasingly isolated, living alone. You know, I'm, I think what we see, according to Pew Research, the top, uh, the percent of females, 18 to 34, who say getting married and having a successful marriage is a top priority in their life. Uh, between 2005 and 2014, it went up 10 percentage points. Now, what that means is it went up to 40% of young women are saying, man, getting married and having a successful marriage and family is a top priority of my life, mm -hmm. top goal of my life. Okay, so... Since the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, it's changed. Whereas women used to have it low, it's grown dramatically. So the actual, even though it's gone up 10 percentage points, that is almost a 50% increase of women wanting more, wanting that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a massive shift. But guess what? In the same period of time, 
the males in the same thing, it's dropped by over 10%. So over 40% of males in that demographic who aren't married don't want to get married. So for women, it's going way up. And for guys, it's doing what? It's going, it's down. going way down. So I think that uh, that's why I'm concerned about men. And I think that there is a war on men. And I think these specific things that were seeded into our society, the sexual revolution and its outcome, third wave feminism and its Marxist tendencies that have been adopted through critical theory into our universities. And, uh, you know, I go down to that last one title line and how it's been applied. And so our society has just jumped on. It's adopted these things. And now men are being affected, just not uh, psychologically or spiritually, but now physically as well. So we only have a few minutes left, but <laughs> you've given us a lot of issues that men are facing. <laughs> how do we, how do we change it? How do we, how do we, how do we find an environment that celebrates the strengths and contributions of men as opposed to what we currently are living in now? Well, I, I think that, you know, the answer that I believe is that we, we, we accept the invitation to Christ to come to know him and mm. live in his kingdom. You know, in Luke chapter five, verse one, Peter is a, a man who was a lost man in some ways. And so was some of his brothers and other people. And it says one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this is sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, he says, Master, we worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a great number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You see, I think this point is where, see, what Peter saw is, I'm a lost man. Mm. I'm lost. And I know I'm lost. You know, I'm coarse. I'm rough. I'm, you know, I... I do the masculine things, you know, I work my hands, I'm a fisherman, I can feed my family, I can do this, I can do that, but, you know, he, he's a rough-cut guy. But, he, but he's also saying I'm lost. And what's really interesting is that Jesus says to Simon in verse 10, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid anymore. Just don't be afraid. You don't have to be passive anymore. You don't have to be this rough cut desperado living out there. All in. And he goes, don't be afraid because now you will be a fisher of men. And I don't like the way the NIV changed that to say fishing for people. Because in the original Greek, he uses the masculine form, uh, anthropome, which means men. Mm. And that isn't to exclude women at all. But we have become so sensitive and so concerned about hurting the feelings of women that we have destroyed men in the process. Jesus is calling men. He's calling them to a purpose. He says Jesus is worth following 
you can't be a desperado living out there all on your own. And if you're a female and you think that talking men's language to men to inspire them to become better men is somehow oppressive to you, then you are sorely mistaken. You are part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. And that's a salty thing to say, but it's time for people to just wake up. Because what we've done is we've emasculated men into beta heaven. And that is the place that every woman will be incredibly unhappy with the guy in her life. And she will not be able to fulfill her God-given calling. She will not be able to discover who she's meant to be. And she will live a life of misery. All because we thought by adopting Marxist, philosophical ideology instead of biblical truth, we were going to come up with a utopian society. Well, all you got to do is read Animal Farm, and Orwell always tells us that ain't ever going to happen. Well, Pastor, you've given us a lot to think on, and with this new format, it's it's definitely making a statement. So I hope you guys um, all think about what Pastor Doug shared with us today. He's given you a lot to critically think about. <laughs> yes. He's given you a lot of stats to process, research for you to go out and do on yourself. Don't just take everything blindly for fact. Go and do your own research. You should not be listening to the message that the culture is giving you without thinking through it and looking at your own research. Yes. Same thing here. You should not blindly assume that everything that's that's not the people we're trying to raise here on the salty pastor we're trying to encourage we want you to be out there doing your own research doing your own work so that you know what you believe why you believe it and you can become strong powerful men who know who they are yes so thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you next time here on the salty pastor blessings